What is up, you guys? We are cruising along the Pacific Coast Recovery Tour. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Spiritual Adrenaline and Tom Shanahan. Check out Tom's book, Spiritual Adrenaline, A Lifestyle Plan to Nourish and Strengthen Your Recovery. Available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And check out Spiritual Adrenaline's Instagram page and their online Facebook recovery community. It's kind of like a support system um, for the active recovery community online. There's a lot of great information on there. Tom posts up blogs and all kinds of stuff. Um, Definitely worth checking out. Definitely valuable information through Spiritual Adrenaline. So we're making our way down the Pacific Coast. Uh, we rolled into San Francisco a couple days ago, and we had a podcast set up with an awesome woman, Mrs. Uh, Lindsay Hyken, who she lives down in Half Moon Bay, which is just a little bit south of San Francisco. So we popped in uh, to have a conversation with her about recovery, about endurance sports, all kinds of stuff. Lindsay actually hosts her own podcast called Age Groupie that can be found anywhere you'd listen to podcasts. Um, she's an endurance athlete. She is a um, Ironman competitor, all kinds of awesome stuff, and a person in long-term recovery. So we were able to sit down and talk with her. Um, it was great to make the connection. She's a wealth of knowledge. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know Caleb and Caitlin did as well. So give some love to Miss Lindsay Hyken. Living the miracle, standing divisible, connected to God in my physical essence of my spiritual presence is visible. Totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal. Used to be a criminal, living so minimal, but things have changed in my life. Is going through different intervals, finding that balance is significantly difficult. Timing is everything, so my timing is critical. Rhyming is literal, the unforgettable. It's why I stand before you impeccably so presentable. I give respect to you, know that I am respectable. I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptable? I give the rival expected to be exceptional, and I'm a grown man, handle business like a professional. I am incredible, the unconventional, and you stopping me from chasing my dreams is unprofessional. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. We're in San Francisco, people. Close enough, right? Yeah. The Bay Area. Bay Area. <clears throat> Lindsay Hyken. That's right. Okay. Pleasure to meet you. Like, nice to meet you too. Thanks for, uh, you know, all this like accommodations and making <laughs> this happen and everything. Not really. Like, it's totally cool. <laughs> Tucked away in a real estate office above a sushi uh, restaurant <laughs> in Half Moon Bay. Who would ever thought it? California. <laughs> Dang, Welcome. man. Um, so we've been like. Along this trip, right, we're on this Pacific Coast trip, and we're traveling, um, following these two who are biking the Pacific Coast, and along the journey, 
we're just reaching out to people who we find interesting via Instagram and other podcasts and stuff like that. And Miss Lindsay here came across our radar. And so the few podcasts that we've done, I've started off by asking them, what was your initial interactions with these two like? Mm-hmm. And, okay. and what was your first impression? <laughs> we were talking about accents earlier before we started. <laughs> so like, how did that interaction go? And uh, Well, the first interactions were via Instagram. So the accent didn't really come into play until later. <clears throat> I think you just reached out to me and said what you're doing. Yeah. And asked if whenever you came through town, you could maybe get together and do a podcast. And I was like thinking. So I listened to one of your episodes with um, Rob Archuleta. Rob Archuleta. And I was like, oh, this would be great. And um, and I thought we could kind of, you know, interview each other. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I think you called and I was like, who? What? Who, who is this? <laughs> did you did you know that? And what are you saying? Did, was, <laughs> did you know we were from North Carolina? I mean, I kind of. Yeah. Well, so at first I thought you were from Northern California because <laughs> NC. NC. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> from North Ca- And then when you, I was looking, I was like, oh, I think this is North Carolina. And then when you called, I was like, oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely not Northern California. We were biking that day too. The day first day that we called. Uh-huh. Uh, I we just were w- getting ready to go into Oregon. We yeah, yeah, that's coming, what you said. Like mm-hmm. exiting out of Washington, getting ready to go across the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I dropped everything in there. I was like, "You can search Res Hope. You can search and see Raw. Like, I swear I'm not a weirdo creeper. <laughs> you can go on our pages. Like, I didn't say you that part. That? No, uh, but I did drop everything. I was like, "Oh wait, if you want to, <laughs> I did do that. Double Research, check and be yeah. like, who's this girl? What is she? And what's she really about?" We're always looking for like new, interesting podcasts to listen to. And I think that's how you initially came. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's, like, well, he's coming up the road. I can't remember where we was driving at, but I've searched um, endurance, oh. sports, or something like that. Uh-huh. Something along those lines. And then your podcast popped up. Oh, okay. And I'm trying to remember the first uh, episode we was listening to. They were listening to a few of them on those yeah. first initial 10 days across the country. Uh-huh. Uh, and they kept telling me about it. And circling back to the accents like he was driving like we have the windows down wind blowing in the air and he kept telling me like the name of your podcast age group B and I couldn't find it I couldn't understand what he was saying like I just didn't understand like what he was what he was trying to tell me and so like I didn't necessarily get a chance to listen to it until like three or four days ago because oh. I, I never got the name <laughs> from him. So the name of your podcast is age groupie. Uh-huh. Like an age group triathlete. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's it all about? How like where did that where did well, it age start? Age group is like you know in um, in triathlon. If you're not racing pro, um, you race against your own age group, <clears throat> and they're usually segmented into like five year, you know, mm-hmm. span. So like forty to forty four or forty five to forty nine, which is my age group, um, and off, separated by sex too, male female, and um, people just refer to that as age group you know, age group. So there'll be like age group nationals or whatever you can get, you can qualify for. Um, and so then people start calling non elite, non pro triathletes, age groupers, because that's what they're, they're just meaning. Uh, it just means amateur triathlete basically. Um, and so my podcast is mostly about, uh, endurance sports. Uh, but <clears throat> because I'm in recovery, it's also that kind of bleeds in cause everything is meshed together for me. 
And this is some something I became passionate about in recovery. So, and then uh, after I raced Ironman Santa Rosa uh, in May of this year, I interviewed a guy named Mike Ergo, who's um, Marine, who uh, he uses um, Ironman as a platform to raise awareness for Gold Star families. And so he'll pick a specific family and uh, run, uh, raise funds and run for that family. And he carries the American flag on the whole run leg. So at Ironman Santa Rosa, he was doing it this year and he, you know, was carrying a flag. I saw him out there and was like, good luck, dude. I mean, I didn't know him because I was like, <laughs> my arms at that point, you know, I'm exhausted, right? You just get off the bike after 112 miles. I'm like, I don't want to, I mean, it's a big flag. It's not like a little, like tiny flag. It's like a full size flag and he's carrying it out and he was just trotting along for us. Um, and uh, so <laughs> I ended up interviewing him uh, for my podcast and we got along so well, he ended up becoming my co-host. So he's now my permanent co-host on the show. And because oh, we're both, awesome. turns out, both in recovery, both mm-hmm. into endurance sports. So, yeah, that's basically Beautiful. it. We come out, we come, uh, the, it's a once a week podcast and it comes out every Thursday. Yeah. Awesome. Before we get too deep, you want to give some love to our sponsor of this trip, Caleb? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, this, this podcast and this trip has been sponsored by uh, Tom Shanahan, Spiritual Adrenaline. Um, he just wrote a book and... Uh, I was actually going to talk about some of that today, like how he come down to uh, Cherokee and, and had an event with us and everything. But he wrote a book called um, Spiritual Adrenaline. Here we go. <laughs> a Lifestyle Plan to Nourish and Strengthen Your Recovery. And mm. it's uh, implementing fitness and nutrition into your recovery. Mm. Um, so you can find it on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Yeah, so we had Tom and, on the podcast like January 1st, the day of the book launch or the day yeah. before the book launch. Um, and I guess a little bit of the backstory was that like, um, Tom's in recovery and he didn't see, he didn't see a blend between like the recovery communities and the active like fitness type of communities. Like it was always like kind of outside like, issues, outside like issues, that has yeah. nothing to do with your recovery, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still, you know, a lot, a lot of the, the, in the rooms that they, it's an outside issue. I mean, you know how, how we do, we like to narrowly define shit and just yeah. arbitrarily make up extra rules for no real reason. Um, for me, recovery is a, a, is a, uh, all encompassing thing. I mean, it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I mean, I can let any one of those things fall and I'm probably heading back in the wrong direction. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So for me, I'm either uh, <clears throat> stepping towards my recovery or I'm, I've already made a U-turn. You know, it's one or the other, and I'm heading back. I haven't had anything, you know, I haven't taken a drug or a drink in 15 and a half years, but yeah. um, it's, a, you know, it's a daily process. And for me, the, the um, athletics and the health and, like, eating healthy and all that stuff plays a huge role in my <clears throat> mental and emotional um, like well-being maintenance on a daily basis and honestly and actually my podcast not this week but I think it's next week we have an episode coming up and maybe ne- in the next couple of weeks about um, finding God in triathlon and just how close uh, my my uh, co-host and I have different points of view but how close we feel to our higher powers when we're out there um, especially doing long distance because it strips away all of everything Come your on. ego yes. it strips away all of that stuff like you got to let everything go and just be in the moment you can't really worry about the past you certainly can't worry about what's going to happen in the future if you're going long mm-hmm. um and then there's just that aspect for me of being in the outdoors you know i always feel 
the presence of God when I'm out, you know, out mm-hmm. on the earth doing doing my thing. Um, so to say that that's an outside issue, outside of recovery, to me is like, I just can't. I I mean, that's fine if that's how other people want to define it, but for me, I can't. Um, I can't see the separation between the two. Me neither. Right. Man, it's been played a huge role in the, the the community that we've been introduced to, you know, mm-hmm. through sports, uh, triathlons, and, and different races and stuff, and the the self self discipline, mm-hmm. you know, the self esteem, everything. I mean, it just goes up and really helps you to uh, overcome challenges and and build more perseverance. And now, there is one caveat I w- <coughs> I will mention, which is <clears throat> so my significant other also in recovery. Um, he's got I think he's got eighteen or nineteen years right now. Um, also an endurance athlete and um, before he actually got sober for the long haul you know when he was younger he went to rehab and when he got out of rehab he started doing triathlon in lieu of doing anything else for his sobriety you know what I mean no meetings no spiritual Mm -hmm. growth no nothing just like I'm just gonna train and that's gonna be my higher power Mm -hmm. Um, and that did not work you know so I don't think that physical fitness um, in a vacuum is going to help you stay in recovery. Mm-hmm. You got to have a balance. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a balance <coughs> of all of it. Yep. I think you can, and there are people that have uh, became addicted to, you know, like that's like what he said, did. Make yeah. turn it mm-hmm. into your higher power. Um, so that's what he did. And cause then when, so he started racing, you know, and he was doing well when he was winning. Um, it was great. When he got injured, he had mm. nothing. You know mm. what I mean? That's right. the problem. Right. That's the one thing. It's like yeah. that was his higher power. So when he got injured, it was like back to uh, what drugs and what alcohol. You know exactly. Especially yeah. because he got injured, and they were like, "Do you want some uh, painkillers?" He was like, "Sure." You know. So it's not a it's not a a one stop solution, but it's right. definitely a key part of it for me anyway. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you can learn different tools like. Caleb always says to me, like, in my moments when I break down, and he's asked me one time, like, because I, I shed some tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, you know, this is how you act when adversity hits. And so when you start to think about it like that, you know, uh, relating it to your um, physical fitness and mm-hmm. your endurance training and all that stuff put together, you can kind of take a step back and be like, okay, so how can I relate this to life? And, Mm -hmm. but if you're not thinking about it in those kind of measures, then you're definitely setting yourself up. Problem solving, problem solving, you know, like, like out there on, on a course somewhere, you don't, you have things come up, you learn how to, you know, like, okay, this is what I got to get some water. I got to get some nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, relating that back to everyday life, like slow down, let me figure out what's going on here. How can I fix this? You know, I think it's been a, and getting into acceptance too, like um, I think is a big it's a big part of sobriety and um, accepting reality as it is, life on life's terms. Um, and endurance sports is a good teacher for that because you can have you can be pretty fit and have you know be running strong and then just have a day, especially on the run where it just <laughs> everything sucks, right? Yeah. And um, for me, it's been this practice of like my brain immediately goes to like. I'm a piece of shit, this sucks, you know what I mean? And (laughs) and it's like, but over time, you know, I've learned to be like, no, no, actually, I'm just having a bad day on the run. It's okay. I can actually power hike through this hill. Who cares? It's great. It's good. I'm out here. And it's like that practice of learning how to take that thought and go, actually, let me just 
the reality of the situation is I have the means and the time to be out here on this trail right now. Right. I'm not in jail. <laughs> I'm not, you know, or anything. I'm just, I'm not slaving away at some job. I hate. I'm actually out here like who, so if I'm power hiking versus running, I mean, let's, that's a luxury problem. And that practice of doing that <laughs> over and over helps, right? Because then I can apply it to something mm-hmm. else bigger. Right. In the last couple of days, last week, like the last three or four days was a great example of that, like meeting that challenge with a level of acceptance that you described because like we all were feeling it. There was like stress in the camper. Yeah. There was some debt, like just real, like the, 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 um, the level of energy, even mm-hmm. off the, off the bikes, just in, in life, the level of energy drastically shifted mm-hmm. and we all recognized it and talked about it and like, well, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? What action are we going to take to make the rest of this trip as big as of a success as it was in the beginning of the trip. <clears throat> what you guys decide? That was huge. I mean, just that spirit of heaviness over everybody. Just talking you know? about it. Just, yeah. just recognizing it, talking about it, kind of setting an intention to like, all right, we're not going to let this. And it took a while for us to say there's something. There's a few days. Yeah. A few days went on. Uh, uh, there's yeah. some tension and some discomfort for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all aware of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's until, elephant in the room for until we addressed it, it was kind of just like uh, just going through the motions. So it was like there was about forty eight hours of going through the motions. Yeah, um, and it sucked. It was like I think it, as with anything, you know, you start to set out on something, and and a lot of times you just getting in a monotony of doing you know repetition, repetition, and it just you kind of lose sight of why you started. Mm-hmm. And it, so we had to talk about that. And we like, also it was like yeah. we weren't. Though we were covering some distance, those mountains in Northern California, they all looked the same. So we were covering like a hundred miles a day and it was just, it felt like we were getting nowhere because like the views (laughs) look the same. I'm, I'm falling behind them filming all of this. And so like all the shots look the same. It was just Mm -hmm. like, it was, it was no, Mm -hmm. no, no change, no difference. And it wasn't, it was outside of what we kind of expected going into this trip like pacific coast like we're gonna see the beach Sun, yeah. sunshine dolphins and yeah. yeah jumping and it was just yeah. like mountains keep pedaling you get a sound you'll get that right here is uh you know this is the they call the red triangle so from monterey to just north of um of the golden gate and then out to the Farallon islands which is just right off the coast it's about 28 miles off the coast that triangle has the highest activity of great white sharks in the yeah. world yeah and so um, it's very deep. It's very cold. It's very sharky. It's not like what you see, like Hollywood, like Cowabunga, bro. Like in a kitchen, like warm water. That's like you'll keep you keep pedaling, you'll get there. But right now you're in you're in shark so, territory. So we shark pulled scene. we pulled up to hills, the mountains and yeah. We pulled up to the Golden Gate Bridge last night, and as we were getting into approaching it, the fog just like rolled in. Yep. Right? We didn't so, see nothing. So we sat at the base of the bridge for like 15 minutes, just trying to find like, okay, where are we going to go? What's what's our plan here? And finally, we decided to go ahead and move forward and try to come down here towards Half Moon Bay and, and figure it out. So we started driving across the bridge, and it was just so foggy that you couldn't even see a car in front of you. Yeah. And Caleb, Caleb Plus was the like, windows are dirty. <laughs> Caleb's like, are we on the bridge yet? And I had to like literally like look on the map to see if we were even like on the bridge yet because it was just so foggy. So we drove through like the whole city and everything and didn't get to see one well, thing. Welcome to <laughs> yeah. San Francisco in the summer. There's yeah. a there's a quote that says the coldest winter I've ever spent was a summer in San Francisco, and it's because I miss the fog that does quote. Not leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I surely missed that quote before we came out here. 
Yeah, come back in November. It'll be like November? beautiful. Oh. You'll see everything. But right, October, November. Right. But um, yeah, right now it's not. It's I, fog. I said this is the first summer where I've, I've wore a sweater. <laughs> and all we didn't. Summer. Yeah, and we didn't pack for that either. <laughs> right. Yeah, we didn't pack yeah. for anything. We're no, coming to the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out! Here we come. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so Lindsay, at what point in this recovery journey did this um, fitness enter your world? Well, I'd always been into fitness, uh-huh. but you know, I used to I used to pull up to the before I got sober. I used to pull up to the gym. I was I was a gym rat. Like I would do cardio classes and whatever. And I would pull up and like smoke a cigarette you know, in the parking lot and then go teach cardio class. <laughs> I, I probably smelled, you know, was it teaching like a, or like in the, so this was before, before recovery, okay. you know, late eighties, early nineties. When I was in college, I was like teaching step aerobics and whatever. And, but smelled like cigarettes and wine, you know, the whole mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then, uh, so I always did something active because I was just part, it was also part of my denial system. It's just the way I, my, my form of drinking was like, I was a periodic binge drinker um, and a blackout drinker. So I didn't drink during the day. I didn't drink every day. I always went to work. You know, I went to college. I got a double degree. So I had all these. Um, and then I worked out. Right. So I had all these uh, denial systems in place to say, well, like, what are you talking about? I just got two bachelor's degrees in five years. I can't be an alcoholic. Right. That doesn't for me. That doesn't. Of course, I moved up here and as I got sober here. And I'm in meetings and there's like PhDs from Stanford. Right. In these meetings. And so it's like, oh. I guess you don't, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing, right? Anyone could be, it's nothing to do with socioeconomics or education. But in my mind at the time, like that was part of my denial system. So working out was always part of that. So when I got, um, when I got, actually got sober, um, I, you know, stayed in the gym for a, a while, a few years. Um, it was much easier not doing it with a, ha- you know, no hangover. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> then I started seeing like, you know how like once you, the fog lifts, you start seeing other shit in the world <laughs> like yeah other start stuff. noticing stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like i had always watched um i'd always watched uh kona like on tv when they show iron man kona and just <clears throat> i would cry and cry because i just thought it was so amazing what these people were doing like i just thought it was unbelievable and there was like on the one hand i had my denial system on the other hand there was sort of like this knowledge that that you know look at what these people are doing and you're, you're sitting on the couch hungover or drunk or whatever. Like there was a little bit of that knowledge and I went inside and sob and sob and watch it, but I wouldn't do anything about it. So when I kind of, you know, the fog lifted, I looked around, I'm like, Oh, there's people, there's like other triathlon. Like there's regular people doing it. Like, I didn't know that that was something I thought it was only <laughs> this Iron Man, you know, world championship people. It's like how to, rare species. Yeah. And I remember watching a, a HGTV, like I'm a HGTV addict now. And I was watching some house hunters swimming in this couple that was like kind of frumpy looking. They're like, we're triathletes. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, they showed them doing stuff. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, let me Google this. You know what I mean? And I saw that like, there's all these races. And so, in 2010, I was like, oh, there's a race in Donner, which I like the Lake Tahoe area. And so I was like, there's a sprint. It's really short. I mean, now, granted, um, the Donner race, the bike is only on the sprint. The bike's only six miles or seven miles. So you go, I can do that. It's straight up the pass to the top of the mountain and back down, though. So it's actually right. not it a intense? good beginner one because you have to be able to climb and descend. It's So it's like, I, I don't know, do that like a 12 percent 
grade for three and a half miles. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's like super oh steep. So that it's like it's like this and a little curvy. But so I, I didn't end up doing that for my first one, thank God. But that was what I thought because I looked at the distance. I had no <laughs> shattered. Yeah. No. Well, and you see, there's all I've done that race since, of course, and there's always people off their bikes pushing yeah. up the hill, and I'm like. Did you if make you it can't to ride up to the top, you certainly don't possess the technical skills to descend this mm-hmm. steep either, right? right? If you can't ride up, how you've never then it means you've never ridden down either, right. and it's not like you just. So my goal is on that race to always get up and down as fast, fast as I can because I know that the, like the newcomers, there's someone's gonna crash. I mean, because some of them just come down, it's like they have no, they're like not even holding onto the brakes. It's like mm-hmm. sweet pea at the end of the at the bottom. There's a. <laughs> There's a stop sign and you're, you have no ability. You know, so I just go up and down. But so when I thought, okay, let me train for this race and I'm going to get, I'd already run. I was, I was a runner in school. So I did that. And then I got into the Y and I started swimming. That was awful and really hard. I was like, how come I can run like 10 miles? I can't, I swim 25 yards and I'm like, I'm, freaking dying yeah I, yeah ten, tired. 10 yards and i'm freaking i mean i'm sucking wind right it's like <laughs> I but i can run forever yeah it's weird <laughs> so um my my boyfriend josh um he is he was he raced road he raced road bikes he recently retired um but he's still pretty fit on a bike but he so he helped me go get a road bike so i did that and then he said you know there's another race here in Pleasanton, it seems like it'd be better because he knew what was up. He was yeah. like, this, this would just not need to be doing this. <laughs> like, right, sorry, I have the freezing cold water at altitude. You know, like, he's like, let's go over to Pleasanton. It's right here. And we can even go over there and practice. And so um, he directed me towards that race. So I signed up for that. And then he suggested I join a team, which is the team I'm on now, Team Cheaper. And um, that team has a lot of people doing Ironman and whatever. And so that's kind of how I got into it. It's like, I just when I realized that like there was other stuff in the world and I could do it cause I wasn't drinking. Right. Like I have the time money I can plan. I can follow through with training. I'm, you know, that's kind of how I got into it. It's like, that's for me, the celebration of like, um, you know, being sober, like life is not over. I always thought, Oh, life's going to end when I can't drink my wine. And like, that's when life began for me. Cause it's like the world is so huge and there's so many cool things to do and so many cool people in it. And I couldn't relate to any of them. I couldn't talk to them. I didn't give a fuck to be honest about what they were doing. I was just trying to get my mind. Um, and like that whole thing, just opening up to me, um, in sobriety is what really led me to endurance sports. So, so you done your first race in 2010. Mm-hmm. I did that year. I did one, two, I think I did. I think I did four, four races that year, all kind of small. Mm-hmm. Oh, an Olympic and then three sprints. I think. No, two Olympics and two sprints. Yeah. That, that year. That year. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I did it. And the next, I, that day that I did my first race, I went home and like looked for other races around and I just started signing up. The same day. That That's day, how. That day I was like, <laughs> I love we it. Are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did, what did it feel like crossing the finish line? That yeah. First time? I mean, I was like, I mean, as I was running in, I was just like, Oh my God, your your black ass is doing this thing! <laughs> like, holy cow! <laughs> you know, it was pretty. I, mean, I was tired though. I was like, because I'd been doing all three sports for a few months, but like stringing them together, I was like, that run was rough. You know what I mean? I just was tired. I was mm-hmm. freaking not really prepared um, for the legs. You know, I hadn't didn't do a lot of brick workouts at that point, so I just was like, but I mean, I was so stoked to be crossing the finish line. And then I was super hungry. You know what I mean? They had like a 
burritos or something for the finishers. I, I mean, it was a tiny little race. Now, mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't even consider that barely a workout. But at the time, I was like, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> burritos. <laughs> and then I went home and took a nap, shower, nap. And then I just got online and was like, okay, I'm going to do another. Because they had another one in the same place that was a little bit longer. So it was like a little longer. And I signed up for that. And then I went down um, towards San Luis Obispo. They had an Olympic. I went and did that. And then I signed up for Marin, which is in like November in the bay and it's cold and windy and the bay has this really strong current um but by then i had a you know i'd done three and my i was on a team and my coach was like okay well you need to strengthen your swimming a little bit because um that particular race um they have a the buoys are like that it's a trying it's a rectangle but the current is pushing so hard that they have a siding buoy way over to the right way over and so you have to swim that way so that you have a chance of even making it around the buoy because wow. if you swim at the buoy that you need to go around you won't ever make it and so they have a <laughs> siding buoy so but here's the problem you go out towards the siding buoy you just go around you swim all the way down so it's a big on the long side of the tr- of the rectangle going with the um with the current you're like I'm a fucking rock star. Like I'm <laughs> literally like Michael Phelps right now. Like I look at like I'm just hauling ass down here. Like it's amazing. Then you turn the corner and you've got to finish on the long side against the current back to the to mm. the place where you get out. And I swam next to the same bush that I could see, like this little tree on the side for like 45 minutes. Like I was just <laughs> like, why is that fucking thing still here? Like I just, you know what I mean? Like I was, and I actually got out of that and I. Um, and the other thing is the getting in, it's rocky and these rocks are super sharp. So it cut my foot and it cut a couple other people's feet. And so we were standing waiting for the start and there was blood and there Ugh. it's in the bay. And I was oh, like, no. I was like, there are sharks like in here in the bay and I got this bloody foot. I'm oh, just going to try no. to get out as quickly as I can. And of course, then it was this long swim because I had swim against the current and I got out and I just sat in transition for like 10 minutes. I just sat there. I ate some goo. I didn't even, I just sat was like maybe i'll take my wetsuit off now. like i was so <laughs> exhausted from that swim. <laughs> oh my God. that was my last race of 2010 but i was like hooked you so know? how many did you finish the year with i did four that year four? Mm-hmm. yeah uh, uh one of the biggest com- or i guess uh most frequent comments that i have from people that aren't into endurance sports or just fitness in general is always like you need to be self-caring so does self-care look like going out on a trail running or do you do something, other things for self-care? I mean, for me, the the working out is a huge part of the self-care. Mm-hmm. I also do other things like like maintain my spiritual program. I do, you know, um, a bunch of different things to connect with my higher power. Meditation, daily meditation is a big part of it. Daily prayer is a big part of it. Um, I like to girl it up. I like to get, you know, I like to get my nails done and do some like girly stuff to Come on. Admit, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm not opposed to getting a massage like in fact fortunately for me my significant other is as addicted to massage as I am mm. so we will get like Swedish massage or sports massage a couple times a month probably three times a month if we're being honest it's does like it re- ha- so does it really help you it helps like, with, with the, your yeah with the yeah because it because you can use a foam roller, which will help, but the massage in of itself, like, actually releases a bunch of the the s- stuff from the muscles. I mean, I feel like, um, like, I was training for the Big Sur Marathon. He bought me, like, a 10-pack of massages, so ni- 10 90-minute massages for the right. six months leading up to, or four months leading up to the, and I ran, you know, no soreness, injury-free, right? Wow. And so, um, 
That is a self-care so, thing. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think like, I just mentioned yesterday that we should get massages. And <gasps> I'm getting I'll tell you guys offline, but there's a place in Half Moon Bay that's like half the cost of a normal place, and they're hella good. So I'll tell you what that is. That's the other reason we're able to do it so much is because it's cheaper <laughs> here in Half Moon Bay. We've got a good place. So I really love what you said about, you know, uh, once you came into recovery, then you started like realizing that you endurance athletes is like you don't have to be like supernatural superhuman you know what i mean like anybody can do it like even me and that's been one of the things that i've been um within this past year my fitness journey just uh coming to realization with is uh i can really relate to what you you said you know because uh before you know i started using drugs when i was still in school Mm -hmm. and uh so I really didn't have time to sit back and be like, who do you really want to be? Right. And then this past year, you know, like seeing him doing all his fitness stuff and then like he'll send me posts and all kind of like these incredible women in, that are endurance athletes and stuff. And I'll be like, man, you know, that'd be really cool. But could I really do it? You know, and so mm-hmm. just being able to uh, actually get out there and just do it. Like we did a sprint on our honeymoon. Oh, that's and so cool. She smoked me in the pool. <laughs> but I called I'm her surprised he, I'm surprised he admitted that. <laughs> she did. She smoked me. He tries to smash me in everything. <laughs> uh, even basketball speaking yesterday. Of, speaking of, yes, yesterday. I've got a partner who's the same way, by the way. So the reason I do, I, I'm so competitive with her, is because when we're out here like riding together, um... I have to I have to take tone it back a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm trying to go, you know, right. average like 22 miles per hour, you know, and and so I have to slow down so I can keep an eye on her and everything. And so when I get the chance to let <laughs> some of that go, that competitiveness, mm-hmm. I, I let it go. Well, my my uh, so Josh and I don't really ride together anymore because he raced at a pretty high level I and can he's imagine too he's way too fast. fast. Like so, we'll go to an event together. Like we went to um the Solving Century, and he. I was like, bye. I brought my girlfriends too. I brought him, and I brought my, and I'm like, bye, because you go ride, and I'll do our, we'll do our own. Pace. Right, and I so four you, hours. You hear what she's saying? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, when I'm them. riding, when I throughout the day, I'm already going through my mind, like, what, where's my tribe at? <laughs> yes, I just bring my girlfriends. I'm like, you go because it was a hundred miles, but four hours and twenty minutes after we started, he texts me and he's like, I'm at the car. Where are you? He's done. <laughs> and he was already done and at the car. And I was like, I'm at the lunch stop sitting in some grass, eating a freaking sandwich. <laughs> and I've got like 43 miles to go. So I don't know what to tell you, but <laughs> go back to the hotel. But so we tried to do one together and he was like, just get on my wheel. I'm like, I can't pedal at this pace, no matter what, even if you're, even if I'm drafting off you. And we were like arguing because then I was like hungry. I was like, uh, and I can eat on my bike because <laughs> oh I couldn't keep that. up with him. We got in this huge fight, like, and he was such a douchebag. And so then I was just silent, riding behind him, just like, I hate you. And then so then he knows he's a douchebag, but he's not going to admit it. So he tries to like, oh look, there's a deer. I was like, I don't give a fuck about this deer. <laughs> I was so pissed. So then after that, we were like staring at the back of his hand. I was. I was just like, "You, I hate you. I wish you weren't on this ride with me. <laughs> and so after that, we were like, let's just, 
in the you know for our relationships <laughs> but i will we do write together sometimes like if he's doing um like an easy day or he just wants or he's already done a workout like where he's feeling like he can just chill then fine but like if he needs to ride at that pace i'm like you go do your thing because i can't i want to enjoy myself well, yeah like and because we do races <laughs> together like mm-hmm. But he'll do like the 50 miler and I'll do like a 50K or something, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't never run together right. and it, because he runs six minute miles and, and right. I run like nine, maybe eight and a half, depends on how I'm feeling that day. And, and I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I'm like, I'll see you at breakfast and I'll see you after the event. Like that's that is so mean, Kayla. <laughs> well, I mean, this, now we're starting to get that this way. trip in particular, though. Like going into it, it was like, like well, yeah, that's you a know, different like, thing. Yeah, but yeah. now if we if we was to do the same Ironman, I would not expect for like he's gonna be yeah trying we, to probably get a podium, and I'm just <laughs> we can try totally, to finish. We could totally roll the tape back five minutes and of you talking about how in all these races he's doing the 50 miler, you're doing the 50 K and how you kind of like do that separate. But yet here we are on this trip, right. And you're holding yourself to this high standard. Trying to oftentimes <laughs> beating yourself self up over not being able to keep up. Mm. And so like the question is, we, we talked about this yeah. in the truck when we were riding a few days and ago, a little bit yesterday and a little bit yeah. yesterday, like about like just recognizing that you are giving it your all and recognizing mm-hmm. that though you might not, be able to keep up air quotes keep up like what does that mean because then I mean? like, because i can't keep yeah. up i'll be like i'm so slow but yeah, it which is not really you're, the you're, truth you're comparing like an apple to an that's orange what I, that's what we talked about i mean most women unless they're pro, like pro cyclists yeah. aren't gonna keep up with a really fit man on the bike. <laughs> i mean that's just not really i mean there are some women around here that um ride with josh <clears throat> my friend karen you know he, she does group rides with josh but Karen medaled in the Olympics like 10 right. years ago. So, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But everyone else, like, it's we've got different physiology. We've got different stuff going on. I So, yeah. I mean, I just try to compare myself to other women who are in my age range. That's why I like age, the age group. Age group. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'll try to hammer another 49-year-old woman into the freaking ground. <laughs> I, but if she's 20-something, I don't care. You do your thing, girl. I have nothing. <laughs> We're not the same. <laughs> We're not the same. That's good. And uh, I ignore I mean, men altogether because they're just a different, uh, you know. Just ignore the, me, baby. The funny thing, too, is... Uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to tell her how, like, we never used clip-on, clip-ins ever. The first time we used no. clip-ins was when we started biking in Washington. <laughs> Wait, on your bike? Yeah. Yeah. What are you using? Just flat pedal? We had to use flat well, pedals I mean, we all the way up until... Well, really bike. Yeah. We when you did your half Ironman, you use a flat, flat pedal? Whoa. I was 20 miles per hour. I was passing people. They were like, you got to be the fastest guy ever. I've never heard pedals. of that. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I was just getting it down through there. You just blew my mind. That's like that Pippi Long's talking about that character Pippi Long. Like she would do shit that you can't do because she didn't know you couldn't do it. That was like mm-hmm. this. That's a, what's the cartoon yeah. character. That's You're, that kind of thing. It's like. <laughs> What? <laughs> that's not that's not a possibility. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We'll go do another one with a clip on and see what happens. See, yeah. 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 So we got the clip ins though and, and the first day I wrecked three times. Well hold on. Step it back. The first when we left North Carolina and we're like stopped off in Texas, 
we got shooting these videos and stuff and Kate Caleb's like, man, you know, and in a couple of the videos, he's like, I don't know how Caitlin's going to do. I'm a little worried oh, about, yeah, talking about, about, me, Rick, talking about you laughing oh, about it. Being, yeah. he, he was laughing about it. You mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the very yeah. first day, Three the very first day, <laughs> Caitlin. Okay. So red light stop, you know, stops Caitlin at an intersection and I'm looking back at her <laughs> and I see her try, struggling, trying to pop out. And so at the same time, right, I start, I like roll to a stop and I realize I'm still, you haven't, yeah. and I'm, I'm at the intersection. There's cars lined up and I just dive over the <laughs> bank into a rider patch. <laughs> That's my first, I wrecked twice more after that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm so surprised. That's, an, well, you guys have to be pros at it though now, right? I mean, it's been. Caitlin wrecked yesterday. But was it because of the clippings? Not because of the clippings, no. I ran off the, the pavement. The le- it was like a like a ledge, mm-hmm. and so my tire kind of went out. Yep. So I just fell over. Um, yeah, you'll get better at um clip like unclipping real fast if you're falling. Mm, yeah, That's a pos- you know, like after you. I was li- in the motions, you know, and in his car, this dude is like, "Are you okay?" Because he is having to come, and I was in a curve. But that Rick wasn't. Too I was bad. jamming Atlas music, singing, climbing a hill, and I turn around, Rick, and I, <laughs> I see. <her. laughs> Shaking your arm out, and I was like, "Oh my god!" That's um, Lord. So on, I guess it was on Sunday. <clears throat> I did a, a workout called Brick Madness. It's like um, with my team, ride, uh, ride, run, ride, run, ride, run. Is what we did. Mm. So you ride and then hop off your bike, do a run, ride again. How long? Um, you could do seven or fifteen miles on the ride, a loop each time, and then on the run we were just doing a mile and a half. So the total ride. I did one fifteen and two sevens because I was with two of my friends, Corinne that you just met here, mm-hmm. um, and then our other friend Amy. They're doing. They came up to spectate when I did Santa Rosa, and now they're going to do basically like their first. They've oh, done. They did a cool. sprint together like fifteen years ago, and they're going to do a, one again. So they're just starting to train. Oh, they're so going to do did, a sprint. Or are they they're going to do. do a, we're going to go do the women's triathlon festival in Folsom in September, which would be cool. Um, but so I brought them to this, so I wanted to kind of ride with them. So I did the fifteen and then two seven and a half. So we did thirty miles of riding and. My four and a half miles of running total, but at the end I was putting my my car my bike in the car and everything. And this woman who had like this is very common in Northern California. We have a lot of money in Silicon Valley, so people go, "I'm taking up cycling," and they just get everything. You know what I mean? They get all the $10, gear. Thousand dollar bike. They get like a yeah twelve yeah twelve thousand dollar bike. They've got the helmet. They got everything right. So she, this woman was on her triathlon bike too, and she's a TT bike and. She had on everything, all the gear. <laughs> she her Prius was parked right in front of me, and she came in. I guess she was going to stop and get off her bike, but instead she just ran straight into her own car and fell over. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> that was, we stopped at that reservation in, um, where was that? Was that in Oregon? Oh, gosh. And Caitlin just... Uh, there's there's a group of people standing there talking, and I don't know what she was doing. <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> I fell over, over. right <laughs> Yeah, I've fallen over by stand with one foot down. Yeah, I had one foot the down. Tire, I'm just talking. I leaned in the you. foot. Yeah, and I just I've done that. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's embarrassing. It's yeah, <laughs> super embarrassing. <laughs> so Lindsay, you got a lot going on in your life, right? Um, personal, long term recovery. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years, you said. Yeah, fi- yeah, uh, yeah. My birthday's November third. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. November seventh, two thousand three participating in these races for almost 10 years now mm-hmm. um professional mm-hmm. entrepreneur mm-hmm. podcast host mother mm-hmm. but my kids are older now they're Grown. 20 and 23 yeah, but so. still you got a lot going on and so like 
to be able to like sustain what you're doing for long periods of time takes a certain level of discipline, right? Mm -hmm. And balancing your recovery in all of this mix. So I guess I want, want to know, like, how do you, how do you maintain that discipline specifically like for such extended periods of time, right? Like mm -hmm. on the long term. Well, for recovery, I try to always, um, you know, I, I'm <clears throat> do a 12 step program and I, you know, always secretary and meeting or do some service position because that makes sure I get to something every week. Um, because at this point in time, you know, <clears throat> I'm pretty far from my last drink and uh, life could get so full that I, you know, could like put that to the side a little bit. Like I'm not, I don't have any desire to drink, you know, that kind of thing. So instead of doing that, I just make sure that I have a service position. Um, and uh, so that helps because it just makes me accountable. And then everything else, like, you know, it's all, to me, it's like, um, it, I was on a um, path to uh, self-destruction or death from, you know, that's the path I was on um, with my drinking and my behaviors uh, because I was blackout, you know, and I like to be out. I wasn't a, like a, some people describe themselves as being sort of isolating drinkers. I was like out in the club. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> life of the party. Yeah. Kind of party girl, but that, that can get pretty ugly for anybody, but especially if you're a woman by yourself, like, uh, you know, a lot of shame and a lot of dangerous situations mm -hmm. that I was in a lot of very dangerous situations. So I don't, and I doubt I would have lasted very long continuing that lifestyle. So I, for me, I kind of try to look at every day as like, this is a gift. Um, so the discipline really just comes from like, uh, doing everything one day at a time, sort of like, obviously I have goals. I set long-term goals. I get excited about having like challenges. So for me, that's something that I find like that exhilaration in that I was looking for with partying I get that through challenges you know mm. <clears throat> physical or even intellectual like I went back to school and got a, an MBA um a few years ago and you know um doing that was a was a big challenge because I had gone to college and, and done well in college but it was it was still active in my disease then so going back sober was a totally cool um experience but <clears throat> instead of like kind of future tripping about the end of that I just try to like every day like okay you know this is an opportunity for me this class is really hard but it's an opportunity for me to do show what I can do and um so I try to have that mindset I mean some days I'm just like everything sucks you suck everybody fucking sucks I hate everybody and I guess that's what I'm honing in on and I go those to, moments yeah. I well there's a bunch of things I do that are all related to my program you know so I have sponsorship and I've got relationship with my higher power and I have other people who are sober in my life that know me and what's going on with me that I can easily pick the phone up or text or whatever have a coffee with I have a sponsor twice a week I mean twice a twice a month um <clears throat> we actively you know work steps so um that's that's kind of what I do like I know that I'm going to see my sponsor every other Wednesday so even if I'm feeling like crap even if I don't feel like picking up the phone and calling her which is what I should be doing but sometimes i'm just like i don't want to i'm still gonna see her and she's gonna be like how's it going and she's looking in my eyes you know it's not like she can tell if it's something. deep into your yeah, soul exactly. <laughs> and so it's been for me like a process of doing i i know that there's lots of different ways people get and maintain sobriety for me it's been a, a 
the 12 steps have worked really well. And I continue to work those steps over and over with a sponsor because every time I do them, I'm in a different place in my life. I'm in a different place um, in my recovery. And so I learn more about myself. So like I'm doing them again now. I'm on the fourth step again. And um, I'm not really addressing like behaviors around my drinking because that was more than 15 years ago. And I have kind of worked through that. I'm addressing other things that have been revealed to me around, <clears throat> you know, negative thinking. I have no, like I have uh, sort of a, a negative self tape, which I think a lot of us do or all of us do. Um, and it's in there pretty deep on certain issues, you know, and so it's kind of revealing itself to me now about like, I have some sort of, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I have some sort of like thought deep in my head, subconscious that says that like, I shouldn't have a certain amount of like nice stuff or good things happening to me. Like I shouldn't want for a certain more, you know, that. If I want more than this, then I'm a bad person or something. It's some weird, I don't even know, probably some crap I picked up from my, you know, grandparents or something. And so I'm working on letting that go um, and having some self-care around that. I have a lot of judgment about myself, you know, I'm not good enough for this, blah, blah, blah. And it's, I'm, I'm, I've reached a point where I'm sick of that tape. Mm -hmm. I'm just tired of hearing it. I'm like, my head fires up in the morning. I'm like, yeah, thanks. I'm. I don't need to hear that today. I'm going to move on without you. Thank you. And so I'm, I'm working on that now. And I think my main focus is really on, um, you know, taking a sober breath. I owe my children a uh, sober mom. They did not get a sober mom when they were little. And I was a mess, you know, and their lives have been visibly negatively impacted by my uh, disease. So um, it's not enough for me to make an amends and say like, I'm sorry, that's a mental illness. I now have it under control, but that's not enough. I have to, for me, I want to make a living amends to them. And the only way I can do that is to be focused on, um, on staying sober and, and beyond that, like living my best life and continuing to work on myself. I don't anticipate ever getting to the point where I'm like, I no longer need to work on myself. I'm freaking great. And it's perfect. I just don't think that that's the human experience. Um, because that ego and all the other little things are always there waiting to come back in and, you know, make right. themselves known. And so like, that's how I'm, you know, approach my, we're just talking about how quickly it comes. Like, yeah. it's like, it's like so right around the corner and then boom, it, it's, it's onset and there's mm -hmm. no like turning back. Yeah, like, I'm working so hard to change this. What is going on? A, a couple of days ago, I was in such a good place because of the work that I put in and then boom, it's back. Mm -hmm. Boom. It's yeah. I mean, it takes very little for me. Well, what I've realized now, cause when I was, when I was early, I think the, somewhere around 10 years sober, I had like a little bit of a, um, I was just like kind of down, you know, and my, my sponsor said something to me at the time, which was super helpful. So I was like, F these meetings, F these people. I'm tired of hearing about these drunks bitch and moan about every little thing in their life that I just don't want to hear anymore. And she was like, Oh, Oh, you think you have to want to do something to do it? And I was <laughs> like, yeah. And she's like, no, you don't have to want to do it. You just have to go do it. And I was I'm like, so what? <laughs> Cause as an alcoholic, my thinking is like, if it's not fun for me, I'm not doing it. And so I was like, she's like, you just need to go do this, the things for your recovery, uh, absent of your judgment about whether or not you like it. It doesn't matter if you like it. 
or what the outcome or what the, it doesn't yeah. none of that even it's just like you just there are certain things that you're going to do to take care of yourself and so that was helpful for me but one of the big disappointments at that time for me was that I thought I had I guess I had an idea in my head that like I would do x amount of work and then I would be changed forever and that that would be now I'm you know good to go now yeah Yeah, it's like that ego and all those crazy thoughts and all that negative would be gone and now at this point in my sobriety i realized that that's not that's my default setting Mm -hmm. that is always i mean the thing about a default is it is what it is that's my default setting i don't i'm not going to fix this i can just um i can kind of put it in remission i can um, get a reprieve from it on a daily basis, but it's not ever going to be uh, gone from my being. You know what I mean? Just that level of <clears throat> just that level of recognition and acceptance is so liberating. In yeah. Its own. Just just by knowing that like it's always going to be there, yeah. but you have a choice. I don't have to hate myself when it shows yeah. up. Uh huh. I don't have to go. Oh, you're such a piece of shit. You shouldn't think like that. it's like. Oh no no. That's my my default setting is this. <laughs> this crap you know what i mean and and that's okay and now i know i have this like whole toolkit i can use and and kind of getting like having that shift in my mindset was really good for me because it allowed me to pick those tools up quicker because i wasn't spending time like piling on by being like you shouldn't be feeling like this you shouldn't be feeling judgmental you shouldn't be it's like no that's my my default is i walk in i judge everybody in the room judge myself make a whole without anyone saying or doing anything you know what i mean i just and I make up a whole fantasy in my head about what's happening, and none of it has to do with reality. That's my <laughs> default setting, <laughs> and that's okay. But I don't have to like buy into it today. <laughs> that is so true, <laughs> right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Here, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about us riding around the block a minute ago, and I see these three guys sitting on the corner, and I automatically think like, look at that. They're looking at us like judging us because we're riding around the block three or four times. You know what I mean? It's just, it's that thinking, like you start mm-hmm. looking at people and automatically, uh, yeah. Yeah. Form these perceptions of, yeah. <laughs> and it's not helpful, right? No, it's not at all. That's the, um, the mental side of these types of challenges. Um, the physical side, something that these younger folks here haven't necessarily experienced a whole lot of yet but as you progress in these age groups mm-hmm. how, how, what kind of like physical challenges as far as like injuries and things like yeah. that have you have <clears throat> you been faced with and then like what was that kind of recovery process if any and mm-hmm. like filling that void filling that time when you were unable to oh compete? Yeah. yeah that's 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 a key thing um <clears throat> So first of all, when I was younger, I had one of those bodies. Like I was, I was just an athletic person, so I could like leave it to the side and pick it back up again and be like, oh, I can run. It's great. And as I got older, suddenly that wasn't the case. I was like, what? Why do I feel like crap? It's like, well, because you don't have any fitness. You know what I mean? And so that I kind of that was my first thing. Was like, oh, I don't just naturally get to do things now physically. That's not no longer the case. And that was a little bit of a bummer, but it happened. And then. You know, in my 40s, like my whole everything started changing physically. And, and you know, I was getting um, some overuse injuries running. Um, you know, there's like I don't just shed weight just because I work out more like there's like nutrition has plays a big role. I mean, I think nutrition 
I didn't know much about nutrition until I got in my 40s and started doing triathlon because I, I would just generally try to like, I didn't, first of all, I didn't have to ever watch what I ate. I was like a certain size without ever watching. And that's changed too. But so I didn't eat that great, but it didn't matter from the outside, from the physical appearance. But then when I got older, it's like, why is this thing? I feel sick or I feel that it's like, well, food was starting to affect me too. So um, now that I'm like in my late forties, there's like a whole, like, you know, there's a whole lot to manage in terms of doing um, sports, you know, just keeping the overuse injuries at bay. And the, the best ways that I found for me to do those are yoga and strength training and the yoga, like I'm a certified yoga instructor because I like it. So for me, that's not a big issue, but the strength training, I'm like, I don't like it. And I've been battling <laughs> it, you know, from the, the last opposite. few years. I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm you're lucky you. You'll, you'll, you'll grow gracefully because it's a key and I, I'm not down. You oh, know? I feel you. I don't like yoga. I don't like <laughs> strength, strength training. training. I love strength training, but I don't like yoga. You need both of those because yeah, you need the flexibility. Yeah. You need that limberness and you need the strength. And, you know, one of the things that made uh, Ironman rough this year was the training was that my knees, I have this patellofemoral syndrome. It's nothing that they can treat. It's like what it is, is just an imbalance of my quads that developed because turns out from the PT, like my glutes aren't strong enough. I was like, what? You're like, your glutes are weak. I'm like, all this back there is just for show. It's like not even doing anything. I'm just <laughs> lugging it around. And so now I'm going to do like strength stuff to like build up my glutes and get my quads back balanced because without it, my knee, my patella gets pulled out of alignment and I can't ride without pain. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's just things like that. And again, it's like that same, my initial alcoholic thing is to, I don't like people to tell me what to do. Like that's the first thing is don't tell me what to do because even if I'm about <laughs> to do it, now if you told me now I don't want to do it. That's the first thing. So when they're like, you have to do strength training, I was like, no, I do not. And then my body was like, okay, well, we're just going to blow both your knees out. So good luck with that. You know what I mean? It's like, so... Like trying to get into acceptance. And then the other thing about it is trying to put my sport, um, trying to put my sport into like um, terms of like, this is fun. I get to do it. It is a hobby. I, it is not, does not define me as a human being because as you get older, you realize it's not going to be forever. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be able to run forever. My body's not probably going to cooperate with me. So I kind of can't let like, I can't let that define me. My, my significant other is struggling right now because he he's raced bikes at a really high level and it's been a, that's kind of defined who he is. Mm -hmm. And he's now got some heart pro problems that are developing from the level of, um, of endurance that he's put his heart through. Basically oh, wow. it was like cocaine use and then that stopped. And then it was 18 <laughs> years of really, cause he was probably riding about really? 20 hours. Yeah, that, that yeah. just, that's possible? They, they, they now know there's a bell curve with fitness level in terms of your heart health, like on the couch and it's bad. And then you, it, it improves as you work out. And then as you continue to work out longer, it goes back down. And there's like plaque buildup and things that they can happen now from long-term endurance use. So he's now experiencing use. that. So his heart <laughs> does this weird thing where like it'll race for no reason, like in the middle of the night and then it'll skip beats. And I actually mm. had my head resting on his chest and it just didn't stop beating. And then it went kick, kick, really hard. And I was oh. like, what the hell? And he's like, yep, that's, and the doctor's like, you need to stop working out so much. You can only, they only what? want him to do five hours of cardio a week now. And he's All been week? racing road bikes for 18 years. So that 
Well, I'm watching him go through that, like having to redefine who he is because that has defined who he is. He's someone who can ride really freaking fast and really long, right? And now it's like five hours of cardio a week. Who are you? The rest right. of I mean, I come home, he's like sitting on the couch, like, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you've got to find another hobby. <laughs> but, um, you know, so that's something that I'm, I'm working on now is to, is to kind of put it into that like right sizedness of like, this is something I love and I'm passionate about, but it doesn't, it's not me. If it changes, cause everything's always changing, I'll, I'll still be okay. You know? Um, but that's a, that's a mental practice. I think I got, I want to go into the, uh, Iron Man mm-hmm. segment here and just talk about like, how many have you completed? I've only done the one full one that I just did in May. I've done several halves. Okay. Um, I've, and I DNS'd at uh, Iron Man. I DNS'd at Iron Man Arizona because I pulled my um, so as of my last long run before the race, before taper. Mm. So I was like, I'm limping on race day. I mean, I couldn't do anything. Um, and then we signed up for Iron Man Lake Tahoe the second year when it was canceled because of fire. But the truth is, I don't think I had the fitness. I didn't have the fitness to get through it anyway. I, I had my training had fallen apart in mid mid year, and I was kind of jerking i was just dicking around and so um but it wouldn't matter because the race didn't happen Mm -hmm. um so this is the third one i paid for and santa rosa and i actually got through it thank god (laughs) i paid for (laughs) one in dns i didn't go it's in florida Mm -hmm. four hundred dollars yeah it's a lot of money yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i want to talk about that just for for people listening right now the iron man what does that entail can you tell them what all that entails uh, well, it's a two and a half, um, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride and a full marathon. So 26.2 mile run. Um, so it's pretty far. 17 um, hours limit. Normally. 17 hour limit, but there's, um, there are cutoffs during the race. So with like Ironman Santa Rosa, which is the one I did, there's a swim cutoff. I think it was at, I don't know, maybe two hours. Um, I wasn't worried about the swim per se. I swim with masters and I felt, you know, okay about that and um it's interesting because you actually i don't know if anyone's ever been to a half marathon or a marathon you know how you self-seed your your time it'll be like Mm -hmm. who's going to run seven minute miles versus 10 you're supposed to seed yourself that's how that um iron man santa rosa um, swim start is like that it's a rolling start and you seed yourself and it's so basically you like okay i think it's going to take me an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes it's every five minutes and you get your little and then they just push the whole crew it's like 2,000 athletes or something goes down into the chute and there's like four stalls and you just go down and they're just setting them off at one at a time like every few seconds like every two seconds or something they go and then you go and so you just get crammed into these stalls it's pretty crazy so you jump in you don't you can't get in there and mess around because the next guy's right behind you mm-hmm. um so two loops on that and it was lovely swim nice water um it's in a lake so no current so that's that's awesome I highly recommend this race for a first race if someone's you know just because it's such a nice swim. And then the ride uh, only has about 4,000 feet of climbing on it, which for us is, is um, low, a low number. Like 4,000 feet? 4,000 feet of climbing. Over 112 miles. Yeah, it's very low for here. Yeah. Because my, yeah. yeah, my regular training <laughs> rides with my team are 5,000 feet in, you know, 50 miles or something like that. Yeah, I know. We've been going through it. Yeah. <laughs> it's intense out here. I was thinking, you know, like, okay, we're from the mountains. This ain't going to be, it's going to be nothing. We're going to be able These to. These are some, yeah. 
Yeah, there's no joke out here. So I want to ask you, like, what's your why? Why? Yeah. um, I mean, I initially just started doing it for kind of what I alluded to earlier, which was like just that I could, you know, like that I found out that I could and sobriety was like, that's that's awesome. But since then, you know, training and having um, having my children, especially my daughter, um, watch me um, set a goal and then train for it has been really, really cool. She um, sees a mom who did not take care of herself or her, you know, turn into somebody who will set a a goal that's a little scary and um, then follow direction and execute on it and have follow through. And, um, you know, I've inspired her to do like she did a half uh, marathon with me. We went and did the rock and roll half marathon in Las Vegas together last November. And it was amazing. And, you know, um, that race we were running, you know, that race is on the strip in the dark at night, that race is at night. So it's really cool. You run, they close the whole strip down in Vegas and you run right down the strip with all the lights and everything. It's really, it's, it's a really, t- it's tight. And, um, but, it, but at the beginning you kind of run out towards the airport. So at one point my daughter and I are just running side by side. Um, and, uh, it was d- pitch dark, but we could see the lights ahead of us and I could just hear us breathing and we were just running next to each other. And, um, this is, a I didn't see my kids for nine years, the last five years of my drinking. Um, my ex-husband had custody and he and I were fighting over him and I couldn't get my act together, you know? So he, he had them and he was doing, you know, what he wanted and he wasn't showing up to stuff. And I didn't have the ability to fight for my kids because I was dove into a bottle instead. And then the first four years of my sobriety, I spent getting my act together. So I had to go through a whole reunification process with my children. And, um, so going from that to having my adult daughter who, you know, once the reunification process was over, chose to come live with me, you know, running next to her and knowing that, you know, I inspired her to do something like that and that I could be there with her and just hearing us breathe together was freaking amazing, you know? And then, so we're running and then we get like, I don't know, a mile or a mile and a half out from the finish. And she was just like, mom. And she started, she's like, I'm going to cry. Cause she just was so like excited to make it. And I was like, wait, 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 you still have like a mile and a half. Like, you know, like, don't cry yet. Don't cry. I was like, she's like, you tell me when I'm like, okay, when we get in the shoot, then you can cry. Then, you know, and at the very end we just, she just fell into my arms and she was crying. And just that, that doing that thing together, you know, I, I can't go back in time and uh, change what happened, but I can um, step up now. And for me, sports and doing that self-care through like she watches me like care about what I eat, care about when I go to sleep, you know, do workouts, have coaches. And then I have a huge community here of uh, athletes that I'm friends with that are part of my life outside of just sports, you know, and she's participates and we have parties or we do whatever you know she and it's interesting because most of them are normies and they don't drink but i mean they're not alcoholics but they don't they're athletes so they don't they're like normies they're like why would i drink i'm gonna i'm training i'm like oh see if i wasn't sober i would be drinking even if i was training yeah. you know what I mean? right but jillian gets to see like that whole life that there's like adults that are doing cool things and that you can have fun and and so that's i would say kind of my why is a beautiful why that, that is, is that about made me cry <laughs> uh, <laughs> go ahead baby just yesterday uh we were biking and i i did i started crying and um 
and just you know thinking back on a three and a half years ago I I stole a collar and I was uh all high on heroin and stuff and uh, they the person showed up to retrieve their car and I wrecked I like jumped in their car my my thinking was like no you can't have your car back like it was ridiculous and anyways I broke my leg and I um my hip and my back fractured my hip and my back and they had to put a metal rod in my leg Mm. right and the first thought that came to mind when I was laying in that hospital bed was I can get pain pills for the rest of my life now like Mm. that was the first thought not not thank you thank you God for saving me you know like wow I'm still alive like that was my first thought was I'm going to be able to get pain pills for the rest of my life. And then yesterday riding, I was like, I, I did. I was in tears because I just to think back that not that long ago, I would, you know, laying in a hospital bed thinking those kind of thoughts. And now here I am riding with my husband out here with my friend on the Pacific Coast Highway, you know, grinding and, and pounding miles out on the bike and it's just something like so surreal something mm-hmm. that you never thought was going to happen just like you said earlier you think that you know you were gonna i thought i, I would die to mm-hmm. using drugs you know i thought that that was the way my story was going to end and just to be able to uh to change the outcome it's a beautiful thing you know like or like you know you running with your daughter and like me getting a facetime with my nephew um out here on the Pacific coast, you know, doing something to try to inspire people. Because at one time, you know, my sister, she told me I couldn't be around my nephew anymore because I was, I was a drug addict. You know, I was the, I was a dope head and she didn't want that around her son, which, so it's just, that's, you know, that's an amazing why to be able to think back on moments like those. Um, it's such a beautiful thing. And, you, and, you know, um, <clears throat> That is a beautiful thing, and, and I think uh, the, the message you just gave and, the me- and what I've learned in, in recovery is that, uh, A, uh, nothing's fixed. Nothing's, like, done. Oh, I am this, therefore, that's it. I'm a drug addict. I'm, that's it. There's right. nothing else going to happen in my life. I mean, we just don't know what the plan is for us, and um, I thought that I was an inherently bad person mm-hmm. because of some of the behaviors that I engaged in before I got sober. And I didn't think there was anything in the world that was going to change that, mm-hmm. you know, like that's it. I already, I already fucked up to the point where that's it. And what I've learned is that like everything changes. You can be someone who, you know, your sister's like, you're not coming around this kid to I want you to FaceTime because I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or I can have no contact with my kids and then be running a half marathon with my daughter. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you you just don't, you just don't know. And I think that that, that idea that any human being is not redeemable because of their past is not true. Yeah. It's just not true. Yeah. That's, you know, and I, I am so great. That's the thing I'm most grateful for is that like, I am a redeemable. Everybody's redeemable, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just so hard to to recognize that in the midst of right. oh. the addiction. Right. Like if there was a way, there's something like, and th- there's nothing anybody could tell me. But no, like, right. how do you how do you convey that to somebody? Right? 
you talk about inspiring people through your actions and the things that you're doing, Caleb. Like, how do you, what would that look like? I don't know the answer. I'm just throwing. Well, I think like these guys doing what they're doing is a way. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's like I have to see other people who did what I did or something similar to that. Because if I had like an, I had people who were not alcoholics telling me, oh, you need help, this, that, and the other. I'm like, you don't know anything about my life. Don't tell me what what to do. A, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Let's just start there. B, you don't know what the hell it's like, right? Yeah. And um, because that for me, like my, my drinking gut was always bad, but it got really bad after my divorce, my, the father of my children, I dove into a bottle. So I just latched onto that excuse, you know? But when I heard other alcoholics who were doing kind of like cool stuff like you guys are doing now, go, oh, no, no, I was, I stole a car and I wrecked it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, what? Like, because I just assumed everyone who would be pedaling down the Pacific Coast highways, someone who's always had their crap together, always knew what they were going to do, figured it out, like, you know, that kind of thing. Well, even yesterday, like we, um, after they did 50 miles, we pulled off in perfect example some little town i can't stinson remember beach. stinson beach oh yeah, yeah and we pulled off in front of a park and there was three <laughs> teenagers playing basketball mm-hmm. caleb and caleb rides up and he's like hey we should go play basketball with those guys so we asked him hey y'all want to play a game and we all walked out there and we played ball with them and i set the camera up and got some footage of us and stuff like that and we shared with them like what we were doing and why we were doing it um and by the way, me and Caitlin just smoked Caleb on the basketball court. No, I, they I, did even not. With, I, no, I, they did not. I played with no shoes Fire. on. I played barefoot, yeah. and I still smoked them. Savage so. Now there you go with your line yeah. now. I Savage style. Default I behavior them. there. Yeah, I smoked Rigorous them. honesty. Uh, rigorous honesty. And, and so after the kids left, like we played two, ga- two games. We, we played for like two hours with mm-hmm. them. Wow. And after two games of, of three on three, the kids left, and Caleb was like, we should have shared more of our story with him. And we did. We told him what we were doing, but he was like, we should have gone into like more. Tell him what the more. initial conversation. I walked up to the kid, and I told him what um, what we were doing. We are you know, in long-term recovery from substance use. And, that, and he's like, well, I get high. That's what he said to me. Mm-hmm. 16-year-old kid, you know. Um, and we, we shared with them, like, what we're doing in, in detail. But we didn't, like, go into, like, personal stories and uh-huh. stuff like that throughout the whole time we were playing with them, they were like, man, this is really, it's really awesome that what you guys are doing. Like they were real interested in checking out our uh, YouTube channel. And they were just really interested in like the camera filming us. Like mm-hmm. there, there was some excitement yeah, that you could see in, in their eyes. Um, and after we left, after they left, Caleb kind of was like, well, maybe we should have like shared more with them. And I, and I thought about it for a second and I was like, well, just by being present with them, just by, being an example and Mm -hmm. showing like, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. But I'm not the guy to sit down here and breathe down your neck and tell Mm -hmm. you that you need to stop doing drugs. I'm going to show you through my actions that we're doing this for a reason. This is kind of where we came from. And we're just going to play ball with you, whether you get high or not, we're going to have fun. I'm going to show you how to have fun and how to hang out and kind of like the things Mm -hmm. that we're doing and why we're doing it. And so like, I'm certain they're going to go home and they're going to check out our page and you exactly. might get a little something out of that mm-hmm. interaction. But I know 16-year-old Steve, somebody rolls up to me and tells me, whatever, I'm going to tell him to fuck off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? like, so, well, that's that, 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 um, that concept of attraction rather than promotion yeah. worked really well for me because when I see other women, especially in the program, who had what I wanted, like at first I was like, they must not have gone through what I went through. you know. But right. then when I hear their Pardon. stories and got to know them, I was like, holy cow, like, oh, you did that and now you're doing it, you know. 
that made me want to do this deal. Yeah. Right. You know, everyone, anyone telling me I needed to do this deal, like, I, I can't hear you because I already checked out the second you started telling me what I needed to do. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you're, if you're like, well, these people are cool and they're doing a YouTube, let me go follow the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Then when I'm having my little moments of like, I probably shouldn't be in high or I don't, I want to mm-hmm. stop. Then that, then I'm going to that unit and, and I'm looking at yeah. it and I'm like, Hmm, what are, you know, that's mm-hmm. yes. I think that that's cause that's, like that's when I actually, the day I got sober, like all these things came flooding back of all these people who had planted seeds that I yeah. couldn't hear at the time, but they were in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, like despite all the evidence, that one day I was like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Like, hello. oh, like, I, I mean, I didn't get it when I had the DUIs. I didn't get, you know, there are all these <laughs> other things happening. It's like when they were making me go to rehab, I didn't, you know, the, I had a court ordered rehab, you know, I didn't get it, but it's like that moment. And then it was like, Oh, this therapist says something, this person, like all these people had planted seeds. And then I remembered them all. And I was like, Oh, that's what that is. I can tell. I just, I just start, I just start thinking about, uh, one of the times I got IV seed and, um, I got up and I, I snuck out of the room and I tried to call a ride from the hospital so I could leave. And, uh, Sissy came up sis uh, a police officer there she came up to the hospital and she said the next time i come in here i'm handcuffing you to that bed and so i'm sitting there you know they got me in my in my robe and everything and then a, a guy comes in from uh from uh appalachian there and um he starts talking to me and i had just tried to commit suicide by overdose and he was like you know you're going to go to rehab it's like, hey, screw you, F you, I don't have a problem, I'm uh-huh. gone, I'm fine, I got this. But yeah, it's just like, yeah. only thing that you can do to anybody is just plant seeds mm-hmm. and just show them kindness and love and compassion. That's, yeah. that's it. I mean, there's no, you know. Yeah. I feel, um, I feel very fortunate, though, that I had that moment of, like, clarity where mm-hmm. I could be willing to kind of hear the message of recovery or make a like a, a little bit of an attempt because I feel like there's a lot of people with this disease that never get that moment of grace. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, oh, I deserve this great moment of grace and you don't. I just, I feel very lucky that it just happened. And in that one little, mo- I probably had more leading up to that. I don't know. I think but, we do. You know, that's what I'm guessing. But in that one little moment it was like everything aligned and I went, oh, you know, and I've since had people in my life who are normies, you know, ha- they then have an alcoholic in their life and they're asking me about it. Well, why can't they just do X, Y, Z or Y? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, they, you know, well, they're destroying their life. Yeah, I, I know. They know. They know. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they know. <laughs> it's And it's not like they're saying, oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying trying to kill myself via overdose. It feels great. I love being handcuffed to it, but no one says that. Mm-hmm. No, but it's like, for me, it was like an out-of-body experience almost at the end with my disease. Like, I could not stop. Didn't want to drink, still drink. You know? And like, that feeling is like, it's the worst. What, what was that moment of grace for you? When was that? Yeah, so I, um, so Halloween of uh, 2003, Went up to the city with a bunch of my friends and had a party, a decent night. Nothing bad happened, actually. No jail, no nothing, no fights, no, you know, random, like, nothing. Nothing bad happened. I just got drunk and woke up the next morning and was, like, suicidally depressed. And uh, so that was November 1st. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> 
I'm going to quit, quit drugs, which I didn't do a lot of, but I did them sometimes when I drank if it was there. But I was like, no drugs, no alcohol, no more cigarettes, and I'm going to quit eating meat right now. For <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be Buddha. Like, I was literally like a drunken <laughs> hussy the night before. Today, Buddha. Boom. You know what I mean? Boom. <laughs> Enlightened. <laughs> exactly. So I quit everything. But my, my sobriety date is uh, November 7th. So, because I made it the first, <laughs> second, third, fourth, fifth. I mean, people had to be like, because I mean, I'm sure I was just, I know I was just a crazy bitch. You Raging. know what I mean? No, ci- just, yeah. no cigarettes, no no meat. I didn't even know how to eat. I was probably just eating lettuce. Like, I was hungry. How'd, how'd you get out of bed? I, fear. Fear drove me out of bed. You know what I mean? Just, like, that's what would drive me to work, whatever, right? It's just fear. So, so then on, um, I lived over in Menlo Park at the time. So, on the 6th of November... I'm going to go to Trader Joe's because they have a lot of vegetarian food. And I'm Good like, okay, so. I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. Yeah. I'm telling you all about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Trader Joe's best. So the Trader Joe's in Menlo Park, you walk in the door. You go right here to the right is all this produce. Right here is all the liquor. And they have that $2. Oh, two buck chuck. Yeah, <laughs> two buck chuck. Charles Shaw, $2 <laughs> bottles of wine. $2. I, I used to work there. That's the only oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You do have a Trader Joe's vibe, oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> two bells. Yeah, two bells. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, <God>. So <laughs> my little cart just went all over to the booth, right? <laughs> I mean, I had no intention of like, so I so I drank like three bottles of wine and then that night and then rummaged around in my liquor cabinet and found like some old bottle of Glenfiddich and downed it. So I woke up the next morning. First of all, I had fallen, passed out in a chair and I was like bent backwards over it. So I just had like my back was killing me. I was late for work again. I had a raging headache. I just was like, but the thing, the key difference between this time and all the previous times was that every other time prior to that, I had gone through this exercise of um, justifying the drink. It's a celebration. It's Super Bowl. I hate you. I'm having a fight with my ex, you know, whatever it is. Like there's always, always reason. some reason, yeah. right? There was like, and I would go through, I mean, it wasn't conscious, <laughs> but I would go through that exercise every freaking time. Right. And this time I went to go buy veg- vegetarian food and I did it, you know, like I, I was on, I was on autopilot and that's what scared me. Not jail, not the ex that I had gotten after my ex-husband who, attacked me you know what i mean not none of that like not seeing my kids none of that got me sober it was like that moment of like oh my god i don't have any say in whether or not that just that thing just stripped away that delusion that i'd had that i had some control i had i'd always thought i had some semblance of control because every every time before there was a reason why and when that got stripped away i was like oh my god I can go to buy vegetables and end up hammered. Like there's nothing that's going to stop me. And um, that's the very, like, so all those little seeds that had been planted before came right in. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm an alcoholic. So I called my boss and said, I'm an alcoholic and I got to go to get help. Not suggested if you're listening to this podcast and you're new, don't call your boss and tell him you're an alcoholic (laughs) or a drug addict. Just get some help. <laughs> but I was lucky because his boss had a brother who had 20 years sobriety. I didn't know that at the time. but I, And he said, go do what you need to do and come back. The job will be here for you. And I was like, great. Wow. And then I, I started I started going to 12-step program. And um, I had gone before. I was court ordered to go before. So I kind of knew what the deal was. And that's what I did. But 
It was just that, oh, I will say really quickly back up and say, when I was late for work, I was running downstairs into my bedroom and I had a massive he- uh, hangover and I slipped and fell on these wooden steps and like smacked my head on these wooden stairs. And I was laying there. And as I was laying there is when I went, oh, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> it was like it literally had to be pounded into my head. <laughs> like, and that's when I'm like, okay. And I haven't had a drink since. Wow. <laughs> Man, that's a story right there. I'm, my mind was in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of us, Steve, yours was in jail, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I had everything stripped from me, you know, mm-hmm. and then I was just like, okay, I'm tired of coming here. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. there's got to be more and alive yeah, than this. You, and you knew, like, yeah. literally, if you continued on, that's all that was promised. And I, I, was, jail. I was just uh, introduced to the gospel, and, and I knew right then that, you know, um, God was speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my recovery is uh, my faith. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Faith that's and awesome. fitness. Faith and fitness. <laughs> yeah, that works. So, yeah. Lindsay... We gotta wrap this baby up. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you got somewhere to be. You yeah, got, you got work, work to do. I got work to do. <laughs> I do have one question that right. I, I, I wanted to ask. Just uh, you know, if you could say something, to, and it could be for men too, but you know, I, I like to uh, try to inspire women as much as I can. What's something that you you would tell somebody that is listening today that might inspire them either to, I, I don't Walker. know, like. Yeah. Workout? Are we talking workout or recovery or both or what? Both. Let's do both. Um, Recovery-wise, I think, you know, my experience working with other women has been, uh, and I I can't speak for men. I'm sure men have a lot of shame, too, over their behavior. But I know women, uh, we carry an immense amount of shame about our behavior because there is a lot of um, societal expectations about how a woman, especially a mother, is supposed to behave. And uh, I don't know a single alcoholic woman who's managed to stay within those societal norms and drink or use. And um, so I feel like on top of actually having to go through the like the technical stuff of, you know, physically sobering up, there's this huge like mountain of just self-loathing that we have to wade through. And um, there isn't any way to get it to heal from it other than to go through it. You can't go around it. You can't ignore it. You can't pretend it's not there. You can't say it's in the past and just move it down. But it's not true. Like you're not unworthy. You're not worthless. Uh, You're not, uh, you know, you're, you are uh, deserving of love and respect and self-respect and, um, you know, having a sense of self-worth. And I guarantee you that if you, stay clean and sober and work some sort of spiritual program, whether it's a 12 step program, church, whatever, you know, a program that allows you to connect with your higher power and get to know yourself. And, um, you know, and, and, in a way that like where you can accept, you know, that what you did may not be ideal, but that there is a reason why, like, I feel like what I went through, not seeing my kids and stuff for all those years, you know, I can help women today that are that are struggling, um, newly, newly in sobriety, sobriety about, you know, oh, I don't have my kids or I've been a bad mother or whatever. Like, I my experiences aren't for no reason. You know, everything we've been through is for a reason. And you can use that to good, for good purpose. And so that was, that's what I 
would say, you know, just stay sober and wade through the garbage and get someone to guide you through it. And um, then use that, um, those lessons to help another woman get sober. Um, so that's what I'd say about that, about working out. You're never too old to do it. Um, I think we just, I think men and women both say that. It's like, oh, I'm t- I didn't do it, so I'm already done. Like, I'm too old to do it. Or this thing hurts, so I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, aches and pains happen <laughs> when working out, but, like, it's less painful than, like, heart failure or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and don't worry about, like, what you look like out there. Like, first of all, I think it's important to remember most people are thinking about themselves. They're not really looking at you. You know what I mean? Like when I'm racing, I don't look, I'm not looking at what you look like in spandex. I don't give a shit. I'm trying to think about myself and what I look like in spandex, you know? So just, <laughs> you know, so just do move your freaking body, like move your body, get to know your body. If you're a woman, get, you know what I mean? Get like for me, physical exercise, it doesn't have to be triathlon. It could be yoga. It could be swimming. It could be anything. Just get like, get in touch with your body. I think that that's huge to like fostering a sense of, of like self love mm-hmm. is to kind of like get to know your body and be like, well, this stuff's not perfect, but it's, you know, my body's done a lot of good stuff too. It's a birthed kids. It does. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, so I think that's all I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. How can it, how can everybody find your podcast and your fitness mm-hmm. journey? Podcast is uh, everywhere that you can find podcasts. It's called Age Groupie. Um, you can email me at agegroupie at gmail.com. Uh, and you can look me up on Twitter and Instagram at Age Groupie, A-G-E-G-R-O-U-P-I-E, just Age Groupie. Um, or you can follow me on Strava, Lindsay Hyken. I'm not very fast, but I post something pretty much every day. I work out so you can see what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um and I think that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks. Lindsay. You're awesome. a badass. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. For oh. You are a badass. <laughs> for real. Beast. It was, it was great to meet you. You too. Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm so excited to continue to follow your journey as you go all the way down to Mexico. I promise you it's going to get warmer <laughs> and more <laughs> like West Coast-like. Like what? It's actually good that you went this way instead of the other direction because you would have started out down there and gone north. Mm-hmm. You would have been like, Bummed. what happened <laughs> yeah you know i packed more bathing suits than i did sweaters i think you guys have got like one or two more days and yeah. you're going to be like 100 percent okay. in bathing suit weather okay yeah. thank you so much yeah. good luck thank you guys for tuning in check us out thank you for listening to the podcast and a very special thank you to tom shanahan and spiritual adrenaline for supporting us along this pacific coast recovery tour Spiritual Adrenaline, A Lifestyle Plan to Nourish and Strengthen Your Recovery is a book that Tom wrote that is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Be sure to check it out. Thanks for checking out the podcast.